0: Can be ruined by another person set out to deliberately, to deliberately destroy you. But, and so your reputation can be lost, but your character cannot be. Your character is just the opposite. Character, you know, rests solely on us. Our character is what we determine or what we achieve, it's not what's said about us. You know, your reputation is basically what's said about you, what people say about you whether it's true or not. Uh your character is always true. Uh your reputation is subject to gossip, jealousy, rumor, slander. You know, and you know we see this in, in the political realm, you know, that that that, you know, the enemies of a certain candidate will will slander him and or just you know, this this Matt Getz thing, the whole Matt Getz thing with, with you know, child sex trafficking and all that stuff and you know, the, the the I saw one CNN. I think it was CNN commentator even admitted, if we keep saying things long enough, we'll we'll ruin him. That was that's the whole goal. They want to ruin him because he's a conservative. He's a threat to their agenda. You know, so they're trying to ruin reputations, and people can do that. Uh, <clears throat> even Jesus had a bad reputation. We see that here. In verse 11, when the Pharisees saw it, they said, you know, he's seating, seating, eating with publicans and sinners. So there was more, of the, more tax collectors. You know, really what Matthew has done here is invited his friends to meet Jesus. So he has publicans, other publicans, you know, friends of his. So he invites them and sinners to come uh, eat, sit down with a meal and eat with Jesus. And Jesus did. But the Pharisees said, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? So, as far as they were concerned, Jesus had a bad reputation because he ate with publicans and sinners. That's just a misunderstanding of what separation is all about, again. But we're not going to be judged by God based on what people say about us. Praise the Lord for that. Nor will we be rewarded thereby. And we're not going to be rewarded based on your reputation. Uh, you know, maybe a person may be well thought of. A preacher may be popular and well thought of by men, but not well thought of by God, or vice versa. So, so that's what you know. This is this is what a reputation is. So, how did how did uh, Matthew overcome or conquer a bad reputation? Well, it started with a decision. Verse 9, And Jesus passed forth from thence. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he saith unto him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. Now, I am sure that Matthew probably heard Jesus speak before this. I don't imagine this was his first meeting. Uh, he, I'm, you know, with, with everything that's going on, going, on, going on in Israel, surrounding Jesus and his ministry... You know, word passes quickly, and I'm sure he heard about him, and 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 probably heard him speak before. Uh, but probably before he was just part of the crowd. But now he's face to face. Jesus passes right by his 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 tax collecting desk, and says and confronts him and says, "Follow me, follow me." And yeah, so he has a decision to make. There comes a point in our life where we have a decision to make. We are confronted with the gospel. We're confronted with the truth. And we have to make a decision. If we make no decision, that is a decision. Some people say, well, I just won't make a decision. Well, that is a decision. That's really a decision to say no. And so Matthew made a choice. He made a choice. It was a choice that was not without its price. It cost him. It cost him. You know, he had to leave his livelihood. I'm sure he was making good money. Tax collectors were known to be wealthy men. So he was well set, as we would say. He was set for life. Worked for the government, you know, he's set for life. Isn't that what they say? Uh, you know, <laughs> you know he was set. He was he was he was, he had it nice. I'm sure he had a nice home, and you know he was all set. But he he left it. He left it. You know, salvation itself is a gift of God, but the application comes with a price. It Comes with price. Because it means a forsaking of the world. You know, even like uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you are saved through faith, not, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in him. So, no longer was Matthew... Okay. Would have been wrong for him to be a tax collector? No. Would have been him would it be wrong for him to pad the taxes? That's where the problem is. But he just didn't quit doing that. He just left it all. The Lord was asking something more of him than just charge what is right. Although that would have been okay. It cost Matthew, and Matthew's it cost his business. It cost him forsaking his profession, his means of living. To follow the Lord, it maybe it probably cost him some of his companions. I'm sure that you know he was of a company of publicans, and and I'm sure that there were some. There may have been some. We know that Zacchaeus was another publican that came to know the Lord, and the Bible doesn't really uh, refer to any other. Uh, except the publican who, who smote his breast and said, "God be merciful to me, a sinner." So there were there were some publicans, but, but I'm sure there are some publicans that said, "I ah, no, no way, Matthew, not me." Bye. Been good knowing you. Did you have some friends like that when you got saved? Said, "No, no, thank you, not me." He left the custom house of Capernaum for the father's house, the security of his job for a life of faith. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 19, it says, And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Are you sure you want to follow me? There's a price to pay if you follow me. Are you sure you want to follow me? See, Matthew counted the cost in his decision. So again, I don't believe that this is the first time that Matthew heard Jesus. But this was the point where he came face to face and a decision had to be made. Or a decision was made. You Matthew's conversion is described as following Jesus. Verse 9 says, he rose and followed him. So this means that he accepted him as the Lord and Savior. He put his faith in him as the Son of God. It means also that he stood up in recognition of the Lord's claim upon his life. So he was willing to declare his faith... By now, by the life which he was going to live. A changed life. He was going to stand for the Lord. You know, a good example of this is in Acts chapter 4 and, and 5. <clears throat> in Acts chapter 4 and verses 10 through 12, we see Peter and John... Uh, it says, that, Be it known, unto, and they're responding to the, the, the uh, high priests and the rulers. And uh, Peter says, Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is a stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is the salvation on the other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You know they're telling him they can't preach anymore or teach in the name of Jesus, and 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 he said, well, you know, it, and of course they this is they had healed this lame man through G, the name of Jesus, and and so and so Jesus says, I look, or Peter says, you know, we're going to stand with Jesus, we're going to continue to witness, we're going to stand. In chapter five, well, verse nineteen, also it says, Peter and John answered and said unto them. Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. You know, these were people that, that claimed they loved God and they feared God. And, and Peter's appealing to them to say, look, judge yourself. Should we obey God or should we obey you? Chapter 5. Verse 28, again, Sanhedrin saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? Behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this blood's, man's blood upon us. Now, just a side note here, when they say about bringing this man's blood upon them, in Matthew twenty-seven twenty-five, they said, Let, us, let his blood be on us and on our children. Now, they're saying, all of a sudden, they're saying, Don't try and bring this man's blood on us. And Peter, again, and the other apostles answered and said, you know, they, they, they were in unity of this. This isn't just Peter. but The other the apostles are in agreement. We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. You see, this is the same Peter that before the, the crucifixion, before the resurrection, denied the Lord. But now he's standing up for the Lord. He's being willing to put his life on the line for the Lord. His testimony. Verse 30, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. And, of course, when they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to say that they had nothing else they could do except kill them. That's what they were intended to do. So, following the Lord means standing up in recognition of his claims upon us. It means leaving our past. I mentioned this sort of already. You know, you can't take your past with you. It will rise up and condemn you every time. You know, 2 Corinthians five seventeen says, If any man be in Christ... Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And, uh, and when 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 Matthew followed him, he left his occupation, his tax collecting. He left it. You know, in Luke chapter 5, verses 27 and 28, where it talks about, the disciples, the, the the those who are fishing, and in uh, Luke 5, 27, 28, it says, And after these things he went forth and saw a publican, uh, I'm sorry, this is Levi, this is Matthew, sitting at the receipt of custom, he said unto him, Follow me, and he left all, rose up, and followed him. He left it all. In other words, he, he left everything. He had a complete change of occupation. Now, Salvation doesn't require a change of occupation for everyone. But it does require that we no longer be ruled by our occupation or by the things of this world. He's to be the Lord. Not just something we add to our life and hope to have a, like a, like a uh, good luck charm you know, I'm afraid that's what a lot of Christendom is today. Jesus is a good luck charm to add to their life. No, He's the Lord. He's to rule in our lives. He's to direct our lives. we not to be ruled by our past sins and passions. You know, Romans 6.4 says we're to, 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 to uh, resurrected to walk in newness of life. A newness of life. It's different than the old life. So, when Matthew, when the Lord, you know, it says he forsook all. In chapter 5 of Luke and verse 11, when they had brought their ships to land. Speaking of Peter and John, James and uh, Peter and James and John and Andrew. Says they forsook all and followed. Him. In other words, they left their fishing business and they followed the Lord. And, and to the world, it was like, to what? I mean, we just read where in chapter 9, a few verses earlier, it says Jesus said, I don't have, I don't have a place to lay my head. The foxes have holes, birds the air, have nests. I'm not a place to lay my head. I don't have a home. You know, as he ministered, he traveled about from place to place and he stayed in homes of people who. Opened their homes to him. Now the ministry is not like that today. Praise the Lord. But you know, he had people that took good care of him. But that was their lives. And they didn't know. Will we have provisions for tomorrow? Because it was living day by day. So when Matthew left the tax collecting he left a comfortable, secure occupation for a life of living day by day. I'll know tomorrow if I have provisions for tomorrow. That's the way life was. Of course, it meant a new direction, a new destiny, a new destination. That's why we call it conversion. It's a complete turnaround. You're going a different direction. It's not just a commitment. You know, some would like to use the word, well, we've got a commitment. I've heard that. I used to hear that in my night circles. have got a commitment. Commitment to what? How about a conversion? That's what we need. We're sinners on our way to hell. We need a conversion. We need a turnaround. That's what Matthew got. That's what the Bible speaks of. It's a new path. It's a new way. That's what really the word way means. You know, like John fourteen six. I am the way. It's kind of the path. So I am the new way. I am the way, the truth in life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, Matthew changed. You know, he's now entering in at the straight gate and not the broad gate. He was on his way to the broad gate. He had gone through the broad gate. He's on his way to destruction. But he changed directions. Went through the narrow gate. You know, this again describes the life of all the characters of the bible the apostle paul you know he was on a he was on that broad road let's lead it to destruction and he was a destructive person i heard a preacher say one time i think it was at your grandmother's funeral most people that are going to hell live like hell Or or maybe he said, you know, if people live like hell, it's because they're going there. You know, there's a lot of truth to that. You know, Paul lived like he was on his way to hell. He was a destructive and hateful person. But when he got saved, when he got turned around, it's all things became new. Now he talks about the. The length, the breadth, the height, the depth, the love of Christ that passeth knowledge. Which he had no understanding of before. And he's telling these Ephesians about it. And I want you to know it. See, a complete change that's that's evidenced in his life. You know, it, when, when there's a change, you see the world differently. Matthew is gonna will see the world differently from now on. In fact, if you if you go to chapter 9 of Matthew in verse 36, the Bible says there, Jesus, when he saw the multitude, on, he was moved to compassion them, because they fainted, were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he uh, unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plainest, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that ye may... He will send for laborers and harvesters. You know, man. He's, he's and he's talking. One of the ones he's talking to is Matthew, his, one of his disciples. He's saying, "You, know, you need to look at the world like lost sheep having no shepherd." See, up until that time, Matthew looked at the world as another person to get some taxes from and take advantage of. And Now he's saying, "What can I give them?" I can give them hope of life. You see the world differently. You see the world, you know, mankind is lost without hope. You see the world as vain and temporary. We're going to leave this all behind. There's, again, there's nothing wrong with having things, and I think that we need to, well, the Bible tells us we're to work, to have, to give. You know, we, we, ha- we work so we can make money. For two reasons, to live and to give. And we ought to be productive, hardworking people. That's just a big little principle. It's not wrong having wealth or building wealth. But don't depend on it because when you die, you're going to leave it. You're going to leave it. It is vain and temporary. Matthew six, nineteen and 20. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. You see, Abraham was rich, but he also laid up treasures. Lot was rich. What happened to his? He lost it. Why? Because that was his whole life was bound up in getting that wealth. He was not rich toward God. You know, the world is vain and temporary. It brings also about a renewal of the mind, which brings forth a subjection of the flesh to the Spirit. Go to Ephesians, chapter 4. Ephesians, chapter 4, <clears throat> and I won't read all this for sake of time, but Ephesians 4, and um, where am I here? Verse 17, yeah, this verse 17, Ephesians four seventeen. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth Walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off... Concerning the former conversation, the old man was corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So you need to renew your mind, and from that, you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, and then he starts giving a, a list, per se, of things that ought to change. As the spirit begins to work in your life, his spirit is going to change these things in your life. Put away lying. Speak every man truth as a neighbor. For we are members, of one of another. You know, really, Matthew, when he was paying his taxes, okay, let's say, you know, Brother Welch came to me, and I was Matthew, and the government said he owed five thousand dollars in taxes, and I tell him he owes seven. Now, is he required to pay me the seven? Yeah, the Romans allowed it. As the tax collector I could have him arrested if he didn't. Now, am I being honest? No. So Matthew now has to put away his lying. Speak every man truth to his neighbor. So Matthew now has to say, For the Welch, you owe me five thousand taxes. Yeah. You're going to put away a line. Uh, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither good place the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. Rather let him labor, working with his hands a thing that is good, that he may have to give to him the deal. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, that which is good the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. See, these are all things that the that Spirit of God brings about as we renew our minds through the Word of God. He takes the Word of God and through the word convicts us of things in our life that are not pleasing and works to bring about these things. So we'll let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamour, evil speaking, put away from you with all mouths. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You know, the apostle, or Saul of Tarsus, considered the Christians as criminals and treated them as such. Even though they were really breaking no laws. Except they wouldn't give their allegiance. And allegiance isn't even the right word. Their worship to Caesar. Because they were loyal loyal citizens. They obeyed the laws. Except the law that required them to worship, offer incense to Caesar. Because that violated God's law. So they were, they were, they weren't criminals, and yet they were treated as such. They were treated with wrath and anger and clamor and evil spoken of. And now he's to be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving. So, well, and, and actually, it goes. And this the Ephesians goes on and talks more about this. But chapter five and verse uh, nine, verse eight and through ten says, "But ye were sometimes darkness, but now are light and the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. So as we renew our minds by the word of God and allow the, and and submit ourselves to the Spirit of God, He will work to bring about this change, this new way of living. This renewal of the mind, which brings about the subjection of the flesh to the spirit. Then we also see his public confession, Matthew's public confession. In Matthew chapter 9, again, verse 10, came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, and we know from Luke's ...account that this was Matthew's house. Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto the disciples, Why eatest your master with publicans and sinners? And when Jesus heard that, he saith unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners... To repentance. In fact, look at, look at Luke chapter 5 and verse 29. It gives us some added details of this particular account. <clears throat> Luke 5 and verse 29 says, And Levi, that's another name for Matthew, made him a great feast in his own house. And there were a great company of publicans and others that sat down with Jesus uh, with them. And, of course, then the scribes, and Pharisees murmured against the disciples, saying, Why do ye eat? and so on. And and when he says uh, have mercy and not sacrifice, you can compare that with Luke 5 verse 32. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Really what he's saying is, look, I don't need sacrifices to you self-righteous people. They're of no bail. What you need, what you need is to set the truth so that you can receive the mercy of God. You see, Here, what we have here is Matthew openly declaring his profession before men. I am now a follower of Jesus Christ. And so he invites all his friends and acquaintances to come and meet his Lord. Come and meet the one who changed his life. you know, isn't that what we're to do? We're to introduce our friends, our acquaintances to the one who saved our souls. Of course, there was criticism. As you can expect, you know, sometimes there will be ones that will criticize you for various reasons. And Matthew also receive criticism, as did Jesus here. Um, you know, the question is, some would say, well, should Jesus be sitting with, with publicans and sinners? Um, but, you know, sometimes we have this idea that Jesus never enjoyed life. You know, the Bible does say he was a man of sorrow, so so some people have this idea he was this sorrowful, melancholy person all his life. You know, I have a hard time believing that because he went to weddings. Did you? Did, was you ever at a wedding where you cried the whole thing through because you were sad? Now, maybe you did if you're, you gave your daughter away to a man you weren't too sure about, but... Uh, <laughs> No weddings are supposed to be happy occasions yeah. and this is a celebration. This is not a solemn, sorrowful no this is a this is a this is a a, a festive occasion that Jesus is enjoying with his disciples and matthew 's friends, whom Matthew is wanting all them to meet. He's not ashamed of him. He's not ashamed of his Lord. He wants all his friends to meet him and have the same opportunity that he has. Again, Jesus enjoyed these pleasant times of life, feasts and celebrations, though he never lost his purpose. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 35, verse 9, My soul shall be joyful in the Lord, and it shall rejoice in His salvation. Matthew was rejoicing in His salvation. And Jesus rejoiced with him. Psalm 149, verse 5, Let, all, let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Now, some might take that to say that in glory. No, that's not what it's referring to. Because it says, let them sing loud aloud upon their beds. So obviously we're talking about being joyful in the earth. See, be joyful in, 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 in a glorifying way. That's what it means. <coughs> you know, Proverbs 15, a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. By Basar of heart the spirit is broken. 15 15, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. In 1722, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. And so, you know, Matthew makes public his confession. He invites all his friends. He wants them to know what he has found in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we ought to desire that others know and enjoy what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know Matthew was a man who started out a life with a bad reputation. But Matthew took up a pen and wrote of the life of his Lord to tell others. About his Lord. And you know the interesting thing is. He still is telling others. His pen is still telling. He's no longer exacting figures. Laying burdens upon people. Giving his life to. A life that will lead to death. He's left the custom at Capernaum. That's all gone. He's left being a publican in Rome. That's all gone. But his Lord still remains. And the Gospel of Matthew that he wrote is eternal. And Matthew now has a different reputation. You see, he gave up his life. That he might gain it. And not only God only gave him his life. Eternal life. But he also gave him. A reputation. Worthy. Of the Lord. You know history tells us that Matthew after. The resurrection. Took the gospel into either. Ethiopia or Persia, no one's sure, where he was martyred for this faith. But it all began with a decision. He had to choose between the things of this world and a comfortable life, or being willing to follow the Lord and leave that all behind. We all have a choice. Choice we must make. And that choice will determine our life and our destiny.